This is Fullness of Life, discussing topics important to your life of faith and ways to grow in a life of grace. Join us each month as we inspire listeners to a deeper relationship with the Lord to live His fullness of life. Now, here's your host, Letty Medina. Welcome, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life on 88.5 FM WSFI Catholic Radio. This month, I have the wonderful pleasure of hosting a new friend named Debbie England. Welcome, Debbie. Hi. Thanks for having me. Let me tell the listeners a little bit about how you and I encountered one another. So I just completed training to be a spiritual director, and I had the opportunity to be down in Houston, Texas for two weeks in June at the seminary there. And Debbie was a first-year spiritual director student. So she and I got to meet each other, and we were in class together, and I heard part of her witness, and I quickly said, I'd really like to have you on my radio show. So so again, I'm so excited to have you because this is going to be aired in the month of November, but it's close to the month of October, which is a pro-life month, and her story is very rooted in the pro-life culture of what the Catholic Church teaches. So again, thank you, Debbie, for for your willingness to come and share your powerful story of God's work in your life. I'm happy to do it. It's it's a gift. So why don't we begin at the very beginning and tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, some of your basic background, and then we'll start going into your actual story of conversion. Yes. Okay, so I am married been married uh, 29 years to my husband Steve and we have 11 children they uh, range in age from 32 to down to seven and uh, the biggest age gap we have is three years between them so they're pretty stair-step all the way down I have five boys and six girls I'm, I'm a grandmother of five and I have two more on the way I was born and raised in St. Louis and I live in Tomball Texas now we moved to Texas probably 20 years ago uh, for my husband's job. And we've been back and forth to St. Louis, but we've been back to Texas now for like eight years. So so Texas is sort of my home, my adult life home. I'm also an artist. I do pro-life art, or religious art. And I, I basically, I sell stationery and prints, and but mainly I just donate to pro-life causes and I donate two galas and things to support Catholic education. How beautiful. And then I'm um, a first year student. I felt the call to become a spiritual director after 32 years of contemplative domestic life. So I felt that that calling was there just from, it evolved naturally just from being a mentor to many people and just being a mom and just uh, giving advice. Raising 11 children would give you a lot of life experience, Debbie. <laughs> so I often joke that, that um, I, it's sort of my cloister, you know, for, for 30 years raising kids. I was just reading and just doing regular, ordinary duties, but it gave me a lot of time to spend, you know, reading about the faith and, and learning. So for sure. So you volunteer at Loving Choice Pregnancy Help Center in Houston, your case manager and client advocate and the gala chair. So there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of hats you wear there. Yes. So and I, they just started it said only uh, two or three Catholic pregnancy centers in all of Texas and we just opened a new one. It's it's very new. We're just babies. So we we opened in 2019. 
So, and I also volunteer for the Loveline Crisis Help Center, which is a text hotline for um, women in crisis and uh, single moms. So pregnant women or single moms. Um, it's one of Abby Johnson's um, pro-love affiliates. So one of her, her visions to kind of for us pro-lifers to fill in the gaps in the movement. Beautiful. So. And just for our listeners to uh, remind people who Abby Johnson is. Uh, she, I think actually today is her 12 year anniversary of leaving Planned Parenthood, but she was a center uh, director uh, at Planned Parenthood for eight years. And she had a, a very powerful conversion experience and is now one of the biggest leaders in the pro-life movement that we have on all, all the fronts, you know, the legal front um, and just she started uh and then there were none and she helps get people out of the abortion industry yes and the movie that was made about her life was called unplanned unplanned so again i want to encourage listeners if you have not seen that movie unplanned uh it is a powerful uh story about her conversion experience and how god is always working even when we are far from him and we are you know rooting ourselves on the opposite side of of life he's like well let me try to get you back and and so that's part of you know important for us to remember as christians not to judge people to pray for them pray for god's grace to enter their lives so they come to know truth right yes definitely so why don't we hear a little bit about about your background education some of that basic information. So I was born in St. Louis and uh, most of my family is in St. Louis. I was raised in St. Louis. Uh, we were raised Catholic. Um, actually, I didn't even know anyone who wasn't Catholic until I went to college. So, I mean, I was pretty much in a Catholic saturated environment. Went to a Catholic grade school, high school. My mom worked at our Catholic grade school and my grandmother worked at the rectory serving the pastor at her their parish growing up so like service in the church was very you know normal for me but it was you know just a I, I thought it was very ordinary you know very uh, I, I sort of took it for granted you know that everyone you know had had that kind of faith life and it was pretty rooted in the in my extended family in terms of my grandparents we had catholic traditions that we did at christmas time and but like personal prayer, or we celebrated our faith on Sundays and on holidays and things like that. But, you know, we just didn't talk about that personal relationship. That's something I learned once I moved away uh, from home. Yeah. So it sounds like you, you know, cradle Catholic, kind of steeped in the traditional kind of practice of the Sunday Catholic family. But But what a beautiful thing, at least that foundation was really provided in a, in a beautiful way for you because that, that foundation makes a difference later on in life. Yeah, we all celebrated all of the sacraments together. We would have, you know, parties for confirmation and really celebrate that faith life. And, it, and it, they were important milestones. I understood that. Yeah. So that was a great gift to have. For sure. Then in high school, kind of what, what happened to you during those years of uh, getting a little older, a little more independent? Well, I mean, basically, I think in the eight, I was in high school in the 80s. And I mean, 
probably was very normal and was more interested in belonging and uh, finding myself and doing what everyone else was doing. I mean, so dating, uh, going to dances, uh, you know, going to parties. I mean, we definitely were doing things. We probably were a little, you know, yep. crazy at and whatever, doing things we shouldn't have been doing, but it all was very normalized. I don't, I don't want to say it was normal, but it yeah. was normalized. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the importance really was uh, more on being accepted. And, and then if I had any questions about maybe I thought maybe we were doing something we shouldn't be doing. I mean, we only consulted our friends and they were, you know, just, we were just echoing each other, telling each other what we thought, because, you know, of course we were modern women and we were going to be, you know, the, the world was changing, you know, and we were expected to have a career and go to college and do things like that. So, you know, I mean, we, we thought we could arrange a few things. Yeah. Typical kind of teen, teenage mindset of kind of follow the crowd and have fun and live for the moment. I think that's yeah, what most of us experienced at that time. Right. I mean, there wasn't anything really outrageous in my mind that I was doing or that was happening. It was all very normal uh, and normalized. Like all my friends were doing it. So I didn't feel so, uh, well, I guess my conscience wasn't really activating or anything like that because it was very, we were all doing it. We were yeah. all doing this. Yep. Yeah. And you, you wrote in your summary to me, you said that my faith was, was outside myself. Yeah, especially college. It was more like um, I still went to the X Center. We had a pretty active Catholic Center, but it was, you know, it was for Sundays. Um, I treated it, my faith as like an accessory, like something to, that was a part of me I could take on and off whenever I wanted. It wasn't fully integrated into my being. It was, it, w it was outside myself and meaning it wasn't in my heart. I, I, I hadn't really had that full conversion where I made it my own, but I was trying to figure it out. I mean, there was some, you know, some desire to do what was right and good, but I just, at, in college especially, thought I, I, you know, I could reason or justify some of my, the, my thinking because I actually thought that like God's rules or the commandments or different parts of our faith really didn't apply to us in the 1980s or 90s because the the rules were written so long ago and culture was so different. So, I mean, God knows, I mean, I made all kinds of uh, rationalizations about how he made us. So he must know that it's different now. So we had to make some changes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, so you thought you knew it all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's reasonable to think that he, you know, would accept my mindset and accept why I would change what I'm changing because people got married younger in the Bible. So, you, you know, you wrote, I had goals and dreams of traveling and living in Spain, living a life of adventure, doing what I loved, creating and having an exciting job, saving money, and then later settling down and getting married and having a family. Like you had it all planned out, right? For sure. I mean, I had to get all of these dreams and all these things I've been working so hard for. I had to make sure I got that part in. That was, you know, pretty 
pretty much high on the priority list. And like I said, too, it's, it was a lot of me first, a lot of what I wanted, what I thought, what I put as important first. I, I did not check in on, you know, what God at any point, like what he thought my life should look like, or, you know, I really didn't include him in those plans at all. Yeah. Were you still going to church at that time? I was, I was, I, I mean, I would go to church in mortal sin. I mean, I, but I didn't really think that I, that was a problem. I really was not formed well. My conscience was, I, I really thought that I was, you know, doing fine, just going to church. I mean, I hear I was a college student going to church. I believed in God. I, you know, had the sacraments. I had no reason to think that I wouldn't go to heaven or, you know, sure. You know, yep. but I also didn't make confession that sacrament really got, you know, thrown to the wayside. I didn't really yeah. exercise that very often. Okay. So then you met someone your junior year in college and you fell in love. So what happened then? It was one of my sorority sister's brothers came in for a function. And yeah, I mean, it was immediate. I mean, it was totally, I fell in love. I, you know, we kind of hit it off and he was older. So he lived in St. Louis. So after that weekend, I mean, we, we went out, we could tell we definitely had, you know, chemistry and we were, you know, had a great weekend and that. And then he, when he went home, he can can we continued that relationship and um, did a long distance relationship for until I came home for breaks or the summer. And so by the time I came home for the summer, we were really serious and, um, you know, things were just going fantastic. I mean, in my mind, things were going great all according to plan. And I was headed back to school in August and things sort of suddenly changed there because Right after I got back from school, I found out that I was expecting uh, unexpectedly, very unexpectedly. So a little wrench thrown into the plans that you had so carefully crafted on your own. Yeah. And it really threw me like way off track. I was so devastated. Like all my plans were in my mind ruined. I mean, like the whole thing thing was I could not see my a way around how I was still going to accomplish any of the things that I set out to accomplish. I just, and, you know, at the time, even though we were serious, we had not, we weren't engaged. We weren't near, that wasn't really part of the plan. You know, we were, I had a lot of other plans and things to do before I was going to settle down. I mean, you could see in my, my timeline, that was way down the road. Right. So how did you handle it when you found out this news? Who did you tell? Where did you go? I, I told my girlfriends, they knew like a few girlfriends, not many right away, but I told him right away and he got off the phone and I was still really in shock. And he called back and he said, um, I just got off the phone and I told my dad. He and his dad had a really close relationship and I was just like, so, oh my gosh, you know, like so freaked out that someone else, like a parent knew already. I hadn't even digested it myself, but yeah. it was such a blessing. It was such a blessing that, that the way that he was able to tell his dad right away and that it did make it very real, very soon. I didn't have to hold it for a long, I mean, 
I had to tell my parents, which I dreaded, but I knew that that was what I had to do next. So I always think like if he hadn't done that, there's having that heavy weight for, you know, lingering around um, would have been, could have been disastrous really. I mean, but it was a blessing that he had a close relationship with his father and his mom had passed away when he was 19. So, so we, that just paved the way that we were going to, we were going to have to deal with this and figure it out, you know, together what we were going to do. But, I mean, clearly I had no idea what was going to happen. So what, what did you end up doing with regards to school at that time? Here you were a senior in college. Mm -hmm. I would get ready to graduate. I had, I was studying art um, and I loved my major. I couldn't wait. I mean, I, I, that was really what I knew that I was born to do that. So I was really loved my major. I couldn't focus. I couldn't, I just stopped going to class. I was totally depressed. I couldn't, it was such a huge weight. My life was like, I didn't know, I didn't know what was going to happen or I, there was no clarity. There was no, I don't know. I could, I just couldn't focus. So basically I, I just stopped going to class. It was, you know, I just stayed home and all I could do was think about what was, what was I going to do? What, you know, so we went home, I went home and, um, he to actually met me and told my parents with me. I was so scared to tell my parents. And uh, that's brave. He came and told them. So he, he was awesome in terms of stepping up and doing everything, you know, helping me through what I could not figure out what to do or say or anything. And he happened to be Catholic, didn't he? Yes, he very, very Catholic and he grew up in a very Catholic home and his uh, parents were very devout. And his dad is and mom, but his, especially his, he, he's Italian. They had like, you know, religious pictures all over their house, a lot of devotions, very much so. Okay, well, it's hard to believe, but it's time for a commercial break. So I, we're, at, we're leaving this at a cliffhanger so that we'll have people come back after the commercial to hear the rest of the story. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life. We'll be right back after this short break. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. A prayer for deliverance with Father John Grigas. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, we just ask for the grace of the Holy Spirit to come down upon us, the intercession of Our Lady and of all the saints and angels, and we come against any influence of the occult or the New Age that might have infiltrated any of our listeners, their children, their grandchildren, their nieces, nephews, brothers, and sisters, and families, and we bind Satan and all of his minions in any way that have bound any of these individuals or their families in this occult practices, and we invoke Mother Mary 
Mary, also in all the saints, in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, I just break all bounds and all influences of the new age upon any one of our listeners. And may they be broken in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May he send upon them the grace of the Holy Spirit to free them. And may our mother Mary place her motherly mantle to protect them and crush the head of the evil one as she was promised to do so in Genesis after the fall. Amen. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life. And I'm here with Debbie England, um, a friend of mine who has a powerful story of conversion. And that is that she found out she was pregnant her senior year in college. And so she and her boyfriend have just driven home to St. Louis to break the news to your parents. So tell us how that went. Well, I was just silent. I was really kind of frozen the whole thing. I couldn't even say a word. So he did all the talking. And my parents, of course, were very, they they handled it fine, but very disappointed for me, for my school, for like, and asking a lot of questions about how we were going to handle things. So it was a really serious conversation, but they were supportive and and loving. And they, they definitely, we ended the uh, discussion with a lot of hugs and uh, I knew that they wouldn't abandon me, but I felt terrible. I felt it was really hard to, to tell them that. Um, but my parents found a, um, since my mom worked at the school, the Catholic school, she had a card of birthright of a counselor and she gave us that card and suggested that we start counseling with this counselor to kind of discern our options, what we felt we needed to do and to kind of help us and guide us kind of in an objective way. So that was a very wise move that my parents did because um, my affinity and my affection for pregnancy centers is, is because of my experience there was so helpful and so a calm place, a in my crisis, the calm in my storm, so to speak, where we could go and the the counselor gave us some tasks of things to do. And we'd come back every week and, and do the little homework assignments, uh, give us things to think about. Um, they took us on tours because at this time, our options that we were pursuing were adoption and parenting. And so we were making lists of pros and cons and finding out all the details and the indecision about not knowing what to do or which way to move or how to sort through or discern making such a big decision was weighing on me. I mean, I just cried a lot. I just sort of froze actually. How you were about 21 years old. I was 21 and he was 25. So, you know, I felt like even though I was an adult, I, I really, this was beyond any kind of decision I've ever had to make. Most of them were very inconsequential. Right. So the weight of it just really was overwhelming to me. So, and I knew that I wanted to do what was right and good for the baby. And we both did. And the big 
issue that started to emerge was that when we both were, were really had strong feelings about different options, we both, our pros were in different columns and cons were in different columns. Even though we were working together to make this decision, it was obvious at some point, we both were not going to make this decision that I had to make this decision because we weren't on the same page. And so I would just wrestle with like, well, this is so weird. You know, I just, the, I thought we loved each other. You know, these, like all these things would just go into sync, but they don't. Right. So um, anyway, so, and then we both, because we were differing and we couldn't uh, come to that conclusion, we both lean, started leaning on each other, our own corners, you know, sort of, it's, it, it um, just accentuated our, our differences. And um, so, our relationship started getting strained. And even though we both wanted what was best, we both had good intentions. So I started crying out to God interiorly like during that time. And then it got close to the due date and we still hadn't decided and our relationship still, it wasn't going in a better fashion or getting any closer to making a decision. So my parents finally sat me down, just me and them. And this is where my, my major conversion happened because my dad and I didn't have a very good relationship in terms of like emotional. My dad was not an emotional guy. So it was very fatherly, but not of the heart. You know, it was, these things were very hard for him. And so he, he actually asked all the right questions to me, like, what is your biggest fear? And I just said it was financial. I just didn't know with no certainty around anything in my life. I had no job. I had no husband. I had no money and I had nothing to give this baby but except for my love that's all I had I knew that I wanted to be a mom eventually and that I could do it but I just wasn't sure how and then my dad said if I take that out off the table for you we will be here financially to help support you what would you do and like immediately in a second I just started bawling because I knew that I wanted to keep the baby and I knew that I wanted to to be a mother and that I could do it. I mean, it was like the biggest relief and load. And then I put my head down on the table and I did not know what was I was experiencing at that moment, but it was a mystical experience where the Holy Spirit was so present through my parents in that moment that I had like an interior locution where I, I was given tons of information in a single second. I used to describe it like the top of my head was taken off and I had like an info dump. Um, and then I also kind of learned much later that it was what I had was similar to like an uh, illumination of conscience where I saw myself before the Lord and all my wrong thinking, every word that I spoke against the, the order of life or my wrong thinking was clear. I mean, the order of God was clear. I knew that he was the God of all things. And I, he was the great I am, which meant that I was the great I am not. And that I was that so arrogant to try to rearrange and reorder what God had ordained and made sacred and holy. And I mean, so it was like clear and definitive and powerful. And, and I just cried and cried and cried at that table and it was like confusing for my parents probably, but I, they thought I was just like relieved, but it was joy, tears of joy, tears of contrition, tears of um, relief. Um, but yet 
it was I, I learned later that that was the tears of the, the Holy Spirit, the gift of tears. The fear was no more. The clarity was profound. And I was excited. All of a sudden I had joy. So yeah, nothing in my life changed. I didn't know anything more than I knew the second before, except for everything changed. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. And so what you're describing so beautifully is that encounter with the Holy Spirit, right? Where the spirit of life, the spirit of truth um, comes and just literally fills you to overflowing with let me reveal to you why you've been so confused because you were kind of going off in the wrong direction, Debbie. And let me reveal what I'm all about, which is love and life and goodness and hope and, you know, all this stuff. And you were like blown away by it because he revealed himself, right? He revealed himself to you. Totally. And I almost like it's taken me 30 years to realize all the gift, all that in that moment what extensive of a gift it was. I mean, I wasn't the best student in the world. I mean, I wasn't terrible, but I, I hated to read. I didn't have focus on comprehension, but for the 30 years that I spent reading, I, it took, it was as if I, every book I read, I was like, I know this, but now I know I'm learning the vocabulary for what I interiorly know. How amazing. How amazing. I love that. I finally read a book called um, from St. Teresa of Avila called Interior Castles. And I, I was like so over the moon because I was like, this is my soul sister. She is, <laughs> she is teaching me what I experienced and encountered. And now I have words for it and I know it's divine and that it, what it was. And so the learning is still happening from that moment, 30, two years ago from what it was revealed to me, but I'm just learning and sort of getting a lot of learning what to call it, how, what it is exactly, how it works more deeply. Yeah. I want to, you know, just make a comment here, which is that I've never heard you in all this description use the word abortion, right? Like that wasn't on the table for you. You were choosing life from the very beginning. You didn't know if you were going to adopt this child out, if you're going to keep this child for yourself, if you were going to marry your boyfriend and raise this child together. You didn't know, but you knew that you were choosing life. And I believe, you know, based on your experience, the Lord was just waiting. He was waiting and he blessed you, like you said, through your father to reveal his love as the good, good father, the ultimate father of all creation, right? Because you chose life <laughs> and he knew your heart. Yes. I mean, I do often say to people who say you never considered abortion. I mean, I knew abortion was wrong. It was the killing of a human being, but I was so weak in my faith back then that the biggest blessing that happened was that he told his dad that I, I remember other friends that it happening to, I could not definitively say, or would not definitively say back in those years that I would never do that. Like that was how weak and how misunderstanding I was about just participating or that it was okay. I still thought like, well, as long as I don't do it, it, I can't judge someone else. I had some real wrong thinking there. And I also, it was because of pride and human 
respect. I cared about what other people thought about me. I didn't want to come off as judgmental or whatever, what it's okay for you, but I would never do that. But if I was truly honest, I, if, if he did not have a good relationship with his parents and me with my parents and like that thrust to tell another authority figure. I think that's super key these days. Um, and even the work that I do I'm doing now, I'm always encouraging, can you tell your aunt or can you tell an authority figure, not just your friend, your friends will hold your secrets. But if you tell an adult, it was such a great uh, segue for me to start to accepting the reality that I was pregnant. If I had not done that, I could still keep it in this hidden way and maybe the escape hatch uh, or or the temptation to do something that i knew was wrong it just got eliminated altogether because of his relationship with his father yeah so beautiful and and that's one of the reasons that it's quite horrifying that many of the uh, pro-choice laws are allowing young people to make these life-altering decisions without any adult influence well the devil knows what he's doing in that i mean that's purposeful that's and it's effective it's very effective but we've had seen success when a woman comes in the center young girl younger person and and they come in they get the test and then the next appointment they have a, a parent or the a mom or aunt that's that's always positive that's always because it's they're starting to accept they what's happening to their body that they do have a this is a serious situation but they have someone in their corner who's yeah but, an adult who loves them enough to stand with them in this time of struggle right we're not alone yes how beautiful well let's go back to this mystical experience of god in the most you've described it as the most powerful experience of your life and you wrote here i was a new creation i love that because that, it, God, that is how God wants to affect each one of us. He wants to make each of us a new creation. So talk, talk a little bit more about that. Well, I mean, when you understand the order of things completely and totally and deeply to the core of your being, like at that moment of being a new creation, what else sealed that for me was once I knew it and the truth was revealed, I submitted in obedience. I also saw the beauty of the Holy Mother Church. I mean, in that locution or that just divine experience where I was like, yeah, of course. Like, And I said that, that the church was put in place by God to keep us safe. And I don't have to worry about making any moral decisions. If I don't know, consult the church. Stay stay within the bounds of her oh, that's and beautiful. you'll be safe. Beautiful. So I, I made that pledge. I would not make any decision. I mean, it was definitive. Like I, uh, my way is a horrible way. Like I, I obviously have, I'm bouncing in, into walls with my way, but I'm going to follow your way. And at the end of the locution, I heard audible words like place your trust in me. And I was like, yes, oh my gosh. I will. <laughs> do that and so there was super peace about everything even though everything wasn't okay everything wasn't suddenly okay it, but i was assured to the depth of my core that if i um, made every right decision and consulted god included god put things in right order asked him first 
is this where, I mean, and, and to the church on every matter that I would be doing the will of God and I could be free of the burden of having to decide all these things. And it was my signpost guide. I mean, how I made decisions then from then on was very easy to do it hard, but like easy to decide what to do. Sometimes it was hard to do, but the God always gave me enough grace to do it or, you know, to forgive when I needed to forgive and you let go of things. Yeah. I, I, so I love how you've described that, right? Because you had been kind of in darkness, right? Making your own choices based on whatever you felt like doing at that time and kind of justifying your behavior, but, oh, these are new times and I'm a new woman and all this stuff. And here you were in serious sin, right? Having sex outside of marriage, all these things that the Lord has clarified in our in, a, in the teachings of the church uh, that are not what he calls us to. And yet he didn't come as a just judge in the, that moment. He came as a loving father to shine his light into your heart and mind to reveal to you where you were going off track and why that was causing you so much distress and suffering. And just trust in me, Debbie. Like literally his love was there going, I'm with you in this battle. I don't want you to walk this alone. I love you. I, I mean, that's amazing. And all of the teachings about marriage and family and sexuality, like I hadn't even read any of the theology of the body, never heard of it, never, whatever. But I believe that all of that was, I was given all that, I understood it to the core and there was no way being a new creation. I was, I was never going to use that beautiful gift selfishly in a way that would tarnish that gift. I saw it for, for the beauty that it was and that the gift that it was. And it also, even my crisis, by the time she was born, my daughter, my oldest daughter um, was born, the experience of my joy and acceptance, like I could not wait to be a mom and the, just the excitement. I mean, I had just turned full circle. I was just beginning my spiritual life as an infant when Melanie was born, when I gave birth. How precious. I think that's a beautiful way to to see the gift that God gave you as that, that rebirth into him and that you were a newborn child in the life of faith and you were ready to be that mother that he had called you to be from the beginning of time because he knew you, Debbie. So uh, it is time for another commercial break, but don't go away because there's much more to Debbie's story. We will be back right after this short commercial break. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life. Hello, I'm Father James Kubicki, the U.S. Director of the Apostleship of Prayer, and I ask you to support Catholic Radio in your area because Catholic Radio is the way that we can get the word out today. It's Catholic evangelization at its best, and I've heard conversion stories all over the place because of people who have tuned in as they're driving or in their homes 
listening to Catholic Radio by accident and the Lord touching their hearts through the message they heard. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life. And I'm here with Debbie England, and she has been sharing a powerful um, experience of conversion that she had when she was 21 years old, unwed, pregnant, and in the darkest moment of her life, God came streaming down from heaven into her heart and soul and made her a new creation. And now we're at the point of the story where she's just given birth. She's in love with her little baby girl, Melanie. I want to hear now, Debbie, what happened to your boyfriend? Well, as time went on, Tony and I decided we were going to focus on being parents and healing and our own spiritual journeys and really kind of putting ourselves back together personally, you know, kind of take a break from romantic relationships. So we just did that and we took some time apart and just decided that things were going very well in terms of co-parenting without the, the emotional part. And so we just continued that way. And, you know, he started working for his dad's um, business and providing and doing what was necessary. And we both learned how to, you know, we both prayed for each other and wished the good for each other. We just weren't going to force something to, to occur that we weren't ready for at that moment. So we just continued on. And um, as things would hap- happen, I mean, I also prayed a lot to St. Joseph during that time in terms of if if he would, if that relationship was, I just wanted him to help sort that out and send who I was meant to be or if I was ever meant to be with someone that he sent the right person. Did you end up finishing your art degree? No. I never did. But you still are an artist because you use that art to help promote pro-life causes, which is a gift from God, right? So you don't need a degree to be an artist. No, but I found that again and I'm able to incorporate it into my life in the way that he sees fit. Exactly. So let's talk about Steve. So how did Steve enter your life? Well, actually, I was not looking for any relationship of any kind, but I was at a, I met him through a friend that we were put giving a party, a wedding anniversary party, and he just happened to be there, and he was the brother of who she was dating. So I met him that evening, and, you know, we joked because I was, it was love at first sight, but I he had to really do some chasing because I was not interested in serious, you know, I, cause I had a heavy load and I thought this is the, I'm not playing games anymore. You know, this is, this is for real. And how old was Melanie? She was 14 months when we met, when we actually met. And then we dated uh, our year and then we were engaged for nine months after that. But Tony actually knew, his sister knew Steve. And uh, I remember when I, 
he said, you know, I heard you're dating someone and he gave us the blessing because he, his sister knew him and knew he was a good guy. So. And then did Tony start dating other women? He was in and out of some relationships here and there, but he did have some serious relationships from time to time, but no one that he ever really got close to marrying. So he never ended up marrying. And then an important part of your marriage with Steve is that you consecrated your marriage and family to Mary during the Ave Maria of your wedding day on your wedding. How beautiful. We asked for the blessing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to stay in her protection and her mantle and she has not disappointed. She never does. So then Steve and Tony had to get along somehow, right? Because they were both going to be around Melanie. How has that worked out? That was sort of a criteria if I were to ever date anyone that they had to get along with Tony because he was always going to be in the picture. He was an awesome dad. He was very involved. So they it, that was just a, a non-negotiable for me. That person had to be solid emotionally and could handle that. And he, he passed the test every step of the way. They actually got along very well and had a high regard for one another. So either he, they both made it look very easy or they just, they genuinely liked each other as, as, you know, uh, friends. So, I mean, they, have a hard time getting along at all. That's amazing. And you wrote, they have been exemplary fathers and extremely devoted family men. So what a beautiful gift. Again, as you and I know, as women of faith, these are all gifts from heaven. Yes. Blessing. For sure. So neat. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they, and they both done some extraordinary things. I mean, for, on behalf that when we tell people, you know, our situation, they ask, like, I was, my maiden name was Schaefer. Steve's last name is England, and Tony's last name is Viviano. So, like, when we married, I asked Tony's permission, would it be okay? Tony's, um, there was no need for a formal adoption or anything. We were all going to cope, we're an parent, you know, that he didn't need to relinquish anything. But for her identity and for sense of family, it would be really strange for her to have this name that none of us had, you know, like, you know what I mean? It was, it would just leave her in this weird sense of identity. So I felt it was important that her last name be with the family. You know, if I had other children that they all had the same last name because she never even had his name to begin with. He was very, very agreeable because we felt that that was what was best for her. So she, was Melanie England. That's amazing. That's, and again, that's the grace of God at work through Tony to be so accepting of that that was really what was best for his daughter to be part of the family name that you were marrying into. Yeah. So you knew you wanted a big family, but did you and Steve kind of plan out this very large family? Well, we knew we were going to, to have a big family. I mean, I wanted a big family. I knew I wanted a lot of kids. I just didn't know what a lot meant. You know, he was one of four. I only had one brother and one sister, and I feel like that is a total gift. But I am from a big family that has lots of aunts and uncles and cousins and 
And I just loved it. I loved being around all the chaos. And so I knew that was for me. So I just, you know, and also too, like my devotion and my commitment to being open to life and seeing the beauty of that gift, that children are a gift and a blessing. And I really was open to as many children as the Lord would, would bless us with. So. And, and 29 years later, you have 11 beautiful children. Yes. Yes, it was, it was bountiful. Very bountiful. And God heard your prayer and said, I'm going to give you the, your heart's desire there. Yeah. So, so wonderful. Yeah. And then during that time, I mean, Tony and Steve were, you know, obviously good friends and developing that friendship still through all those years. Um, by the time we had our ninth child, he was, we asked him to be the godfather of uh, John Paul is our, our fifth son. So Tony is the godfather of our, our fifth son, which is really special and unique. And we just co-parented and all the way up until Melanie, um, well, really even until now, but when Melanie was 18 and headed off to college, we kind of got an interesting phone call from Tony and he uh, called and said, I remember him saying, hey, I have something big question to ask, like, what would you think? if I just, I've been discerning if I entered the seminary. And I remember the moment where I, he said that and I thought, I was so overjoyed. I was like, yes, you know, that, that makes everything make sense now, like that he's been called to this because he has every good gift that a priest would need. He can sing, he is very devout. He is a, a family man I mean, he can understand family life. I mean, he has so much to bring to the table. So I was all for it a hundred percent. And the only thing that we were just concerned or wanted to know was like, how, how would this work? You know, how would this, how would we manage this with Melanie? Like she would still be able, she, she definitely want to know, well, I want to still be able to see him and, and how would this affect our relationship? And they are, have been, you know, nothing has changed. How really beautiful. So, so nothing really was different. He was able to see her and, you know, on breaks, they were on the same schedule of school. So they came home in certain breaks at the same time and got to see each other. And so, yeah. And then by the time he got ordained a deacon, I had had Maeve, who was our 10th child. And so the very next day he baptized her. That was his very first sacrament. How amazing. So he baptized Maeve, and then the next year, our son was in the second grade, and he uh, did the first confession with Colin before he was ordained a priest. So the stole that he did gave his, you know, was buried with his father when he passed away was the confession from Colin, my son. Wow. And then in 2012, officiated our daughter's wedding. So that was really cool. And he gave my son first communion that day and my other son and yeah so he's done baptisms dual baptisms for melon my grandson and my youngest so it's all pretty incredible it's an amazing story and it fills my heart with so much joy because of the beauty of the abundant graces and blessings that came down because both of you said yes to life and how different it would have been if you had said no to life and the other 
big piece is surrender in my mind, the surrender to his will. Like once we surrender to and look to him first, put him in right order for all of our decisions and include him in our life decisions, he just will, if we do it our way, we shortchange ourselves every time. And he does things and uh, multiplies the blessings and the gifts beyond your imagination. Yeah, he's the greatest giver. Yeah, you couldn't dream. I mean, I would have never dreamed, you know, 32 years ago, what would have come from that episode, which in my mind at that particular time, my worldly mind was the end of the world. Exactly. I mean, it was, oh my gosh, everything was just hopeless. Yes, exactly. And God turns all things to good when we keep, you know, walk with him, right? And love him and honor him. So, so Father Tony, right? Is that how he goes by? Father Tony? Father Anthony. Oh, Father Tony. Father yeah. Anthony. He is now a pastor at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Westphalia, Missouri. That's the Diocese of Jefferson City. Okay. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I want to highlight, because we're getting close to the end of this show, is how God, again, used this very difficult, painful reality of an un- unexpected pregnancy uh, in an unmarried woman, and he turned it to great good, right? Because you became a, a very powerful pro-life advocate. And my understanding is Father Anthony is also involved in the pro-life movement. Is that true? Yes. He was appointed by his bishop to be on the pro-life uh, committee of the diocese. So he's very active in his diocese with the pro-life and he is very pro-life, obviously, and powerfully pro-life in his preaching and his ministry, the things that he does and supports. But we, we've been able to work together, actually. We just finished a project where his parishioners, uh, his pro-life groups, made these blessing boxes for our clients at Loving Choice. And because that was an idea that I had that I thought I just wanted to involve other communities and other youth groups or find something that people could be a part of that they didn't actually have to volunteer, um, be an advocate. Maybe they didn't feel comfortable doing that, but maybe a project they could help with. And this is, these are little boxes that are gifts for the moms, just an encouragement for when we get clients that are kind of down and we reach out to, to obviously to try to follow up with phone calls or like a text, but I thought this would be a more personal way that would show them and touch their hearts and let them know that they are seen and heard and loved and, you know, kind of help establish that relationship because it's really all about relationship. Amen. And the little things. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and, and it's about our relationship in the end. What you've just shared is this beautiful powerful story about relationship with God, right? Because when you came into right relationship with God, everything turned around for the for the best. And not that we have perfect lives. None of us have perfect lives, right? But God's blessing and grace can work mightily when we say yes to him and we follow his commandments and, and obey as the children we're called to be. So I can't thank you enough, Debbie, for coming on and sharing your powerful story. And I look forward to seeing where God's going to take this, because I believe this is going to be a jumping point for you to go out and tell your story more often, because it's a really powerful story. 
God is good. I mean, uh, he gets all the glory, you know. Amen. I had felt for many years that these were like little jewels, like special jewels he gave me personally, but I've come to know they are definitely his works are for to edify the church and I need to share his goodness and his power, his his powerful love. It's very inspiring to see how God can take a very dark, difficult moment and turn it into great light and beauty and love and unity. I mean, there's just so much here. I just, I know that many people who have heard this story today have been deeply touched. And what I want to say to the listeners as we bring the show to a close is no matter what darkness you may be struggling with, you know, God is with you. Turn to him, open your heart to him, ask for his help. He wants to enter into your life. He wants to help you through whatever struggle you face. He will get you to a better place if you surrender, like Debbie said, surrender your life to him and follow him. So thank you again, Debbie. May God bless you, Steve, your 11 children, your grandchildren, Father Anthony, and all the people you work with um, to promote life. Thank you so much. All right. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life. Thank you all for listening in. And until we meet again, I'm wishing you all his fullness of life. Bye. Salve Regina, Mata Misericordia. Pizza dulcedo, et spes nostra salve. A te clamamus, exules filiebe. A te suspiramus, gementes et flentes, in hac lacrimarum vale. Ega ergo, Arbocata nostra, illus tuos misericordes oculos, ad nos convete. Et Jesu, benedictum fructum ventris tui, nobis postoc exilium ostende. Oh.